Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 5. Uh, it's on page 1207, if you're using a pew Bible. Page 1207, Hebrews chapter 10, and verse 5 down to uh, 18. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here am I. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. First he said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, Here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. Amen. May the Lord bless to each and every one of us the reading and hearing of his own precious word. We shall now continue uh, to worship the Lord as we present our tithes and offerings, uh, and then we'll have our next psalm. Please turn to Psalm 51a on page 105. Page one. Uh, we read from Hebrews chapter 10 as uh, by way of an example uh, of what we want to consider uh, together this morning. 
uh, a passage that looks back at the uh, old sacrificial uh, system uh, that was fulfilled uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ in his once and for all sacrifice. Uh, quite a number of years ago, um, I was attending a, a lecture, and it was all about the Old Testament sacrifices uh, in the uh, Old Testament, uh, when suddenly the uh, friend next to me uh, passed out uh, the subject matter with some uh, detailed descriptions, and it was a very uh, warm uh, summer's day. Uh, it was just all too much for him, even though he was from uh, a farming background. Uh, and I mention this as a, a forewarning, uh, as our topic for today is uh, blood. Uh, but I promise there are going to be no gory details, because if anybody was to pass out uh, at the sight of blood, it would be me. <laughs> blood, we all know what it is. It's the, the fluid that circulates uh, through uh, our bodies. Uh, scripture uh, treats blood as the basis of life. Uh, shedding blood represents the end of life. So blood is viewed as precious in Scripture, something very uh, precious. Uh, and blood plays uh, a very important role in both the Old Testament and in the New Testament. If we are to uh, get our heads around the Old Testament sacrifices uh, we need to begin by appreciating, appreciating uh, the significance of blood and the blood ritual and what was done uh, with the blood. Uh, we also need to understand the use and the meaning of the word blood in the uh, New Testament in order, in order to fully grasp uh, the work uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it's very interesting that the phrase blood of Christ is mentioned nearly three times uh, as often as the phrase the cross of Christ and five times as often as the phrase the death of Christ. So uh, the term blood therefore is most is the most used word in the New Testament to speak about the sacrifice of Christ. Uh, when it comes to speaking about his sacrifice, uh, it's not the, the death of Christ or the cross of Christ, but the blood of Christ that is mentioned uh, more often. I want to begin by uh, looking at this term blood in the Old Testament, first of all. Uh, the Old Testament uses the term uh, in two different ways. Uh, first of all, in the general sense, uh, and then in a special sense. In a general sense, it's just simply speaking uh, about blood, the, the fluid in our bodies. It's uh, uh, Leviticus 17 verse 11 says the life of the flesh is in the blood. This is uh, just the, the ordinary natural term for uh, this fluid. It's also used as a picture word, as a, a metaphor in Deuteronomy 32, verse 14, the blood of the grape. Uh, it's not saying that the, the, the grape bleeds, but it's talking about wine. In Isaiah 34, verse 3, the mountains shall be melted with their blood. It's used as a, a picture for slaughter. 
The term blood is also used uh, when it comes to the uh, shedding of blood, that is, uh, killing or murder. At the the first murder scene uh, in the scriptures in Genesis 4, uh, verses 10 and 11, uh, the Lord says to Cain, The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. God is the author of all life. So any shedding of blood, any killing, is a very serious matter. In the Old Testament, the taking of life was punishable by death. Deliberate murder, accidental murder, uh, resulted in a person being blood guilty. Uh, In ancient Israel, it was possible to shed the blood of an animal and to also incur blood guilt. To be blood guilty for the shedding of an animal's blood. For example, if somebody made a sacrifice on an unauthorized altar, Leviticus 17 verse 4, the guilt of bloodshed shall be imputed to that man. Do you remember when the kingdoms divided between north and south uh, and they set up altars in the north to, uh, so as the, the people wouldn't travel down to uh, worship uh, in Israel and to, to, uh, on the official altar? They set up their own altars. They incurred blood guilt. Sacrifice, sacrifices made on unauthorized altars. There were some exceptions to blood guilt where somebody could take the life of another and they were not blood guilty. Uh, for instance, in the case of self-defense, we're not look at them, but uh, I'll give you the references. Self-defense, uh, Exodus 22, verse 2. In the case of capital punishment uh, and the execution of criminals, Leviticus 20, verses 9 to 16. And in the case of war, 1 Kings 2, verses 5 and 6. So we see, we learn throughout the Old Testament that life is very precious. It's it's sacred, and it wasn't to be regarded uh, cheaply. These are uh, the term blood being used uh, in a general uh, way. The blood, the word blood, is also used in a special sense, and that's where we want to uh, focus our attention here in the Old Testament. It's used in a special sense. Uh, when it's used in connection with the uh, solemn ceremonies that we, we, we read of, uh, all that are connected with uh, religious worship, uh, what was done with the, the blood in these sacrificial rituals uh, was of great significance. Uh, and we read of the blood being sprinkled in, in different situations. It was put on things, it was sprinkled in places, and it was even sprinkled on the people. Uh, and the understanding was that nothing but blood would do uh, in those uh, situations. One thing that underlies the Old Testament is that physical life is God's creation. So life, all life, belongs to God, not to man. Especially uh, the life of man. 
who is made in the image of God. Uh, This human life is precious uh, in God's sight. Animal life was equally recognised as belonging uh, to God. And animal life could only be taken when given permission uh, by God. So before uh, animal flesh could be eaten, animals had to be slain before the Lord as unto him. And their blood, which represented their life, the life that had been taken, had to be either poured out on an altar or poured out to God on the ground and then with great reverence uh, to be covered over. Drinking blood was absolutely forbidden. Eating animal flesh in the Old Testament had a religious significance. So whenever flesh was eaten, it was done unto God as a a sacrifice to him. It had the idea of uh, a sacrificial uh, feast. Uh, Such a meal was only made possible because God, to whom that life belonged, had allowed that life to be taken. The shed blood of animals could not be used in any way by man as theirs to do with as, as they pleased. God appointed that this shed blood was to be used as an atonement for sin, to make atonement for sin, to effect cleansing before the Lord. This word atonement means to make at one. It's the the process of bringing uh, those who are estranged from each other into unity uh, once again. Uh, As we think forward to the the New Testament, Christ's atonement. It's his work to deal with the problem of our sin. So as to bring sinners like ourselves into a right relationship with God. To make us at one with God. His sacrifice, his blood shed. Leviticus 17 verse 11 Uh, The life of the flesh is in the blood. And this is what it goes on to say. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it it is the blood. It It is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Leviticus 17 verse 11. Very important verse. The value of a life laid down, given as a ransom, as the payment price, uh, paying for a life, a life that has been forfeited. Uh, It's condemned, a life condemned, a life uh, deserving death. The value of a life laid down as a payment for that life. This is uh, propitiation. Instead of the blood of the one who is guilty, There is propitiation by the blood of a guiltless offering, an innocent substitute. And again and again in the Old Testament it speaks about a lamb without blemish and without spot. This word propitiation has the idea of 
removing God's wrath, God's anger by offering a gift, by offering a life. God is absolutely opposed to everything uh, that is evil, that is sinful. And his opposition uh, against that evil is described as his anger. He is angry against sin. But his wrath, his anger is put away. It's removed only by sacrifice, by this atoning sacrifice, by the offering of the innocent substitute, the spotless lamb. One key event in the Old Testament, right at the very beginning, which is remembered again and again and even remembered uh, in our own day uh, by modern Jews at a historic event, uh, the exodus from Egypt. Central to that event was the Passover. The Passover was the first and decisive example of this substitute principle. Exodus chapter 12 and verses 1 to 13. You can look read that for yourselves later on. Uh, referring back to it in Hebrews 11 uh, verse 28, it says, the writer says of Moses, by faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. The blood of the lamb slain was appointed by God to be used by the Israelites to sprinkle on the doorposts in order to provide shelter and protection from God's judgment. Substitution. An innocent to be slain. The the animal had to be without blemish. That is, there was no reason for the animal to die. It was perfect. It was not to be liable to death for any reason in itself. And only for this reason could its life be sacrificed as a substitute for another life under judgment that otherwise would have been taken. Once this spotless life was brought to an end and its blood shed, then the value of that sacrifice was it gave shelter to those who were in danger. It had value. Its value was that once it was shed and put on the doorposts, it gave shelter and protection to those inside. The virtue and saving power of the animal death was expressed by this sprinkling of its blood on the doorpost. It, It was a token that God would use. Exodus 12 verse 13. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. God was coming in judgment and it was only those who were under the shelter of that substitute sacrifice who were protected and preserved. The blood on the doorpost was a a visible sign that life had already been taken in their place. Those within the house who sheltered from judgment beneath the blood of the Lamb, who feasted on its flesh, they enjoyed all the benefits of that animal's death 
in their place. So here was God's provision. Life given in sacrifice in order to ransom those who would otherwise perish in his judgment. And that same principle in the Passover uh, can be seen in all the other ceremonial laws and the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. The blood of animals was given by God to men to make atonement for their souls upon the altar. We've already referred to Leviticus 17 and verse 11. The blood was to be shed. It was to be poured out to God as his upon the altar, given by God's appointing in order to cover sin. And so we read that the blood in the Old Testament is sprinkled upon things, in places, upon people, in order to secure ceremonial purification. This action, as with with the, the lamb being slain and his blood put on the doorpost, this action applied the virtue of the sacrifice and appropriated the benefits of the sacrifice to those who offered it. Such blood gave access into God's presence. It purified from defilement. It cleansed them from sin, at least symbolically. The blood was a token of a spotless life sacrificed, which was the uh, what God, God ordained, what God approved, and was sufficient compensation in his sight for the death that was due to the sinner. A symbol of utter obedience unto death, complete devotion to God, which were all well-pleasing to him. So a person offering blood to God for atonement and cleansing secured both his ransom, it was the payment price uh, that death deserved or that sin deserved. Uh, it also released him from sin's penalty, and as well as that, he was accepted uh, by God, making him ceremonially, ceremonial, ceremonially. The more you try to think about it, at least uh, made him fit for God's presence, redeemed by blood. Purchased by blood, redeemed from judgment, and redeemed to be a people for the Lord's own possession. So blood in the Passover, blood in the Old Testament sacrificial system, uh, and then blood is also used in covenant making. We sung about it there uh, at the beginning in Psalm 50. Used in covenant making, uh, especially at Sinai, in the covenant between God and Israel. Exodus 24, verses 4 to 8, Moses took blood, he sprinkled both the altar and he sprinkled the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you. And the writer to the Hebrews speaks about this in Hebrews 9, verses 18 to 20. The, 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 the blood was sprinkled on the altar and it was sprinkled on the people as well to signify that God bound himself to his people, to the Israelites, in a special covenant relationship. And at this covenant making, the people solemnly promised uh, to act in agreement with this covenant. Life with God, fellowship with God, 
was made possible. But it was only through blood. Only through blood. Blood in the Passover, blood in the sacrificial system, blood in the covenant. And one other key event in the Old Testament calendar uh, which involved blood was the Day of Atonement. Special day set aside uh, to make atonement. Leviticus 16, you can read all about it. Uh, We're told that the blood of a bull and the blood of a goat were sprinkled upon the mercy seat uh, and the altar as a covering of the people's sin. Life was poured out in death. Animal life was given up on behalf of the life of the people. So judgment and atonement were carried out through the transfer of the sin of the people on to the animals and then the animals received what the people deserved which was death. Also in Leviticus 16 uh, verses 20 to 22 uh, we have the transfer of sin and guilt uh, pictured uh, through this scapegoat ceremony uh, where the guilt of the people are are transferred onto the head of the goat uh, and then the goat is banished. Uh, the goat as a substitute for the people. So the judgment of the people's sin was transferred onto the substitute in their place. Atonement for their sin was secured through the blood of the substitute, a life given in their place. We need to remember that uh, in the Old Testament, animals were uh, a vital part of the economy and were uh, of great value uh, to uh, a valuable part of a person's property. Uh, Atonement, redemption and reconciliation was something that was very costly. It cost them uh, to make the sacrifice. It's only when we come to the New Testament uh, that we will see just how costly redemption and reconciliation uh, really was and so we'll turn now uh, to uh, to focus on the New Testament and blood in the New Testament again just like the Old Testament the word blood appears in a, in a very simple uh, general sense referring to uh, this fluid that runs through us uh, the Matthew chapter 9 verse 20 speaks about the woman uh, with the flow of blood uh, this is just uh, blood like we all have um, or uh, with reference to murder uh, as in Acts 22 verse 20. But by far uh, the main references to blood in the New Testament are used in this very particular special sense with reference to the blood of Christ. This phrase, the blood of Christ. Uh, and very often uh, you, when you see that phrase mentioned, uh, look at what it says around it because very often it alludes back uh, to the special sense of blood in the Old Testament and uh, the use of uh, covenant language and uh, sacrificial uh, language. For example, 1 Peter 1 verses 1 and 2 where Peter sp- speaks of sprinkling with the blood of Jesus Christ. Sprinkling. Uh, they're, they're always talking about sprinkling in, in the Old Testament and, and the Old Testament ritual. Uh, 1 Peter 1 verse 19, Peter says... Uh, It speaks about uh, being redeemed, that we are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb 
without defect or blemish. Very obviously, uh, uh, sacrificial language from the Old Testament. Uh, Hebrews 13 verse 20 speaks of blood as the blood of the everlasting covenant. All these things that tie in uh, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The language of sacrifice, the language of special covenant relationship. It's also used in uh, uh, in terms of legal language uh, or in connection with uh, legal language. Um, Romans 15 verses 16 to 18 where Paul speaks about uh, being justified by his blood. Justified, it's a, a legal term. We are declared not guilty by God because of the shed blood of Jesus. Ephesians 1, 7, Revelation 5, 9, both speak about uh, redemption, salvation, all in connection with the blood of Christ, redeemed to God by his blood, bought the payment made by his blood. Salvation is purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, God had stipulated the only way that the people were to atone for sin, uh, and, and that was through sacrifice. In the New Testament, God has made the only provision to atone for sin, uh, the basis uh, and the process by which estranged people like ourselves, sinners, can become one with him. He has stipulated the only way that that can happen. God has provided that atonement for sin so that we can be at one with him and that way is through the blood offering, the life offering of his own son. As John 1 verse 29 says, uh, as John pointed to him, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The blood of Christ represents the life that he gave for our atonement to make us at one with God. The blood, the shedding of his blood was necessary to satisfy God's justice. It's the only way to satisfy God's justice. Our sins uh, deserve death. The penalty for our sin is death. That penalty must be paid. His blood shed is the only offering uh, to put away God's anger because of our sin. His sacrifice is the only act of propitiation, the only act that will put away God's anger from us. On the cross, Jesus shed his blood by the crown of thorns, but the nails through his hands and feet, and the spear in his side. He shed his blood. He shed his blood as the God-man. He poured out his life as a sacrifice in a real physical death. Because the wages, the penalty of sin is death. And to do our, away with our sin, he had to die. The innocent instead of the guilty. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, Paul says, He was made sin for us. Him 
who knew no sin. He took upon himself the punishment, the everlasting punishment. He took upon himself hell, which we deserved, that was due for our sin. He knew no sin. He was innocent, unblemished, spotless. He died. He was also forsaken on the cross. He was separated from God on the cross because of sin. Because this is what our sin deserves. Our sin deserves that we be cast out, that we be forsaken, that we die. But he offered a once and for all sacrifice, an unrepeatable sacrifice. That was our reading at the beginning. Hebrews 10 and verses 3 to 4. The writer tells us how the high priest entered the Holy of Holies uh, once a year on the Day of Atonement to offer sacrifice. And this was repeated uh, every year because these sacrifices were not the remedy for sin. They were only reminders. They were pointers. They were types. They were shadows. What the, the high priest couldn't do because He was only a man and he was a sinner just like us. Christ accomplished because he is the God-man and without sin. Jesus Christ became the the permanent fulfillment of all that the Old Testament pictured in those types and shadows. Romans chapter 5 and verses 9 and 10 bring together two of the things that Christ accomplished on our behalf that he accomplished for sinners in shedding his blood justification and reconciliation Romans 5 having now been justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So we are justified, verse 9. We are justified by his blood. The only way that we can be declared not guilty is by his blood. His blood shed instead of ours. It's an action. Just notice, he says justified. It's an action. It's something that took place At a particular time in the past. Justified. It happened once. And it needs never to be repeated uh, again. Justified. When Jesus died on the cross. Shedding his blood on behalf of sinners. To justify basically means. To proclaim. To declare that a person. Is without guilt. Not guilty. Or if they are guilty. That justice has been satisfied. Because someone other than them as a guilty person has adequately paid the price uh, for them. Taking the condemnation of their guilt in their place so that justice has been satisfied. And this is what Jesus came into the world to do. To shed his blood. To give his life in order to satisfy the justice of The righteousness of God. Whoever believes in him. In his sacrifice. Is no longer under condemnation. 
He has paid the penalty in their place. Justified. Saved from wrath, says Paul. But whoever, whoever has not believed in him, whoever has not believed in his sacrifice, we, we learn that that person is still under condemnation, still under judgment for there is only one way to obtain God's salvation, God's only approved way to deal with our sin. Justification through his blood. The other word mentioned in uh, Romans 5 and verse 10, the second thing which Jesus accomplishes in his sacrifice for us is reconciliation. To be reconciled through his death. The word implies two parties who are at odds uh, with each other, at variance with each other who are brought together because of some change uh, that takes place. Uh, we can't change ourselves. Uh, it's just like the, the leopard can't change his spots. We can't change ourselves. We can't change our sinful condition. So to be reconciled to God, God needs to change us. He needs to do something uh, in us to make us uh, right with him. And he does this through the new birth. A new birth. The receiving of new life. The receiving of spiritual life. So that we are no longer separated uh, from him uh, because of our sin. We're no longer at odds with him. But we become one with him. We become friends with him. We have fellowship uh, with him. We are at peace with him. We have fellowship and peace. If a person doesn't accept Christ, doesn't accept his work on the cross to save from sin, then there is no spiritual life in that person. There is no new birth. There is no fellowship uh, with God. Faith in Christ, faith in the death of Christ for our sake, causes us to, to cross over into spiritual life with Christ. And thereafter, to be at peace with him, to be at peace with God, uh, to be with him, to be friends with him. Because now he lives in us and we live in him. In 1 John 1, 7, Apostle John spells out very clearly uh, what the shed blood of Christ does for men and women and boys and girls. He says, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us cleanses us from all sin. It cleanses us. It cleanses us. And notice, justified is something in the past that's happened at a particular time. Here, he cleanses us. It's in the present tense. It's, it indicates that there's an ongoing continuity in, in this happening. There is a beginning uh, and there is also a continuing cleansing, an ongoing cleansing. There's an initial cleansing of the defiled heart of a sinner uh, which brings about the new birth. But there is also an ongoing cleansing from all sin. His blood cleanses us, washes us. We are forgiven on the basis of his sacrificial death symbolized by this word blood. Cleansing from sin isn't something 
that's automatic. It doesn't. It's not. Just. It's not an automatic thing that happens for everybody. John goes on to say, 1 John 1 verse 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. God's justice satisfied through the shedding of Christ's blood. He is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Justice and reconciliation only through the blood of Jesus we are declared not guilty before God the judge. Only through the blood of Jesus we are reconciled. We are no longer enemies of God. We are made children of God through the new birth, new life, new spiritual life. And we are at peace uh, with him. No longer under his anger, no longer under condemnation. We touched very briefly on the use of blood in the Old Testament in covenant making. Uh, the sprinkling of blood on the altar uh, and the people bound God and Israel together in a, a special covenant uh, relationship. Uh, in the New Testament, uh, when Jesus inaugurated the new covenant at the last Passover with his disciples, uh, this is what he said in Matthew 26, verse 28. This is my blood of the covenant, which is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. And you're going to be preparing uh, for uh, the Lord's table uh, next weekend, uh, I believe. And it's a reminder here uh, to eat his flesh and to drink his blood is to confess that it is, it is only through his death that we have life. We drink the cup in remembrance of his one act of sacrifice, his blood shed as we trust in him. As we trust in his death for our sake, we appropriate all the benefits and all the blessings that his death procures for us. Protection and salvation. Christ and his death, his blood shed, is the unending cause of all of our blessings. Everything that we enjoy as believers. Everything that we look forward to it's all dependent on his blood shed and for this reason even in heaven it will always be the central theme of worship how do we know that revelation 5 verses 11 to 13 is what john said and i heard the voice of many angels around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honour and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Paul says in Philippians 2 verse 8, He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Such amazing condensation 
And he did it for us. He did it for our sakes. The sinless son of God died the kind of death which only sinners like ourselves deserve to die. He died as though he himself were the sinner. Because he died the kind of death that sinners ought to die. Sinners can, by faith in him, and in him crucified, be saved from sin and all its terrible consequences. And if you haven't yet, come to him. If you haven't yet trusted in his blood shed for your sake, for your life, in your place, then come to him. Trust in him and you will be saved. To him be all the glory and all the honour to the Lamb forever and ever. Amen. Let's conclude.